Welcome, everyone, to It Simply Isn't Done, the Sermon Recap Podcast. I'm Reverend Jess Davenport. And I am Reverend Barry Petrucci. We are the pastors at Chapel Hill Church. And together we are the, the Irreverent Reverends. And uh, like the name would suggest, this podcast is the message from Sunday, where we share the scripture and then the sermon, and uh, we meet you back for some reflection on that message. There will be an opportunity to, if you look down in the notes, you will see a place where you can go directly to the reflection. If you already listened to the scripture uh, on the sermon, or if you just want to skip them all together and uh, just hear what we have to think about it, um, you can go there. We're happy you're here. We are indeed. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You are listening to the special Christmas edition where both pastors preached what we call homilites, <laughs> short little mm-hmm. homilies. Which are even shorter than short little sermons. They are, yeah. And um, so each of our services, we really tell the Christmas story, either through kids telling us the story or lessons and carols with a whole bunch of other folks participating. And then we share a little bit. And that's what we're going to reflect on. Indeed. So if you were expecting something different, this surprise. (laughs) And just a warning. We don't do this every week. We sure don't. We're glad you're here. And uh, we'll catch you on the other side of some scripture and some sermons. Homilites. From Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 16. Nearby, shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. The Lord's angel stood before them. The Lord's glory shone all around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, Don't be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angel praising God. They said, Glory to God in heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. A reading from Matthew 2, 1 through 11. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem and the territory of Judea, during the rule of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. 
He gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They said, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote, You, Bethlehem, land of Judea, Judah, by no means are you least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the child. When you found him, report to me, so that I too may go and honor him. When they heard the king, they went and looked. The star they had seen in the east went ahead of them, until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling to their knees, they honored him. Then they opened their treasure chests and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Please join me in this responsive reading from John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Pray with me. Gracious and holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Throughout this series, this Advent, we've been using I believe even when for each week. I believe even when with the even when acknowledging all of the hardships, the conflicts, the loss we've experienced collectively and individually that would or could take away from our faith, from our well-being. During this season, we've talked about cultivating practices of hope, joy, love, and peace 
not just relying on them to passively show up, but to actively make space for them and to practice them in our lives. The very qualities Jesus brings into the world, we prepare for by practicing them. In order to prepare for this night, we claim hope and love, joy and peace, not out of some flippant denial of reality, but because we witness reality. And we know and pray and dream God is willing something for us beyond our wildest imagination and calls us to be a part of it. So all Advent, we wait, we prepare, we try to slow down. Advent, in Latin, adventus, it means coming, arrival. The season of waiting for an arrival. Well, friends, we're here. Do you feel like you have arrived? <laughs> All season we've been waiting, but what have we been waiting for? What have you been waiting for? And I'm going to be honest, some of us might be flabbergasted at that question. Some of us might have gotten here by the skin of our teeth, getting everyone ready and out of the house and fed, all the anxiety about presents and gifts and schedules and family. On top of that, we have work, we have health, we have school, we have taking care of our kids and our parents and our pets, all kinds of social obligations that ramp up this time of year. Whew. But tonight, friends, you're here. You have arrived. We can exhale. We can breathe in deep. And I want you to think about what we've been waiting for this whole season. Because ready or not, whether you're prepared or not, God is here. And just as we've been waiting for God, God has been waiting for us. God has been waiting for us. Now, I don't say that to make you think you haven't done something or that we have another thing yet to do. Our faith is not a checklist. It is not a to-do list to accomplish. And that can be hard to realize because this is the season of checklists. Naughty or nice, am I right? We are hopping from one thing to the next. Concert celebrations, parties, caring for one another, planning to see our family. And these holidays, they have a lot of expectation. Christmas has a lot of expectation. I don't really hear people say, you know what? I just want a perfect February 4th, just this year. I just want a perfect flag day for once. But there's this pressure that our Christmas must be perfect. In spite of expectations we place on ourselves, I want to give you permission to have an okay Christmas. Two of my favorite podcast hosts often say, have the best day available to you. I want you to have the best Christmas available to you. Now that might seem counter for a pastor to say this on the eve of the birth of our Savior, one of the biggest nights of the Christian year. But I've been here the other 364 days. And many of us have walked together. 
And I know some of us are having a tough year, a tough year. And an okay Christmas is okay. And I want you to know, God is just as with us, just as magical on December 26th, in January 3rd and February 4th, and even Flag Day, if you can believe it. The real preparation of Advent is not us hurriedly gathering everything for a perfect celebration. Friends, the first Christmas had conditions far from perfect. God scoured the earth and chose an unmarried 14-year-old with brown skin in a military-occupied country who gave birth in a cave, right? Those are conditions far from perfect. And that's where God brought God incarnate into our world, right? Not because everything had the appearance of perfection, but they were the people that had the heart and the spirit God needed. God being born to us, with us, friends, that is the magic. You do not need to make Christmas magic. You don't need to make it. It has happened. God lives and breathes among us, knows what it's like to experience suffering and loss and joy and giggle fits and anger. Christmas already happened, right? It already happened. We just gather to celebrate it each year. We don't have to make it happen. So if you have felt this year a lot of pressure to make Christmas happen, you can breathe deep, friends. But what are we waiting for? Surely not another party. Maybe another cookie. But are we at all ready for the inbreaking of God's kingdom among us on earth? Are you ready for that? I normally leave folks with homework on Sunday mornings, a few questions we might ponder, but I'm not going to do that tonight. Right? We've, you've done your checklist. You're here. You've arrived, right? We don't need another thing to do. We don't need to rush. God will find us just where we are, right where we are, our imperfect selves in our imperfect homes with our imperfect Christmas, and it will be perfect. Our goal is to simply take a breath and be, just be in this space and exist and celebrate. Just be. Breathe and understand you are so loved by a God who sought to be Emmanuel, God with us, us. So let's be, be loved, beloveds. Amen. The very formal presentation of the clicker. <laughs> We should have passed a baton ceremoniously. <laughs> so I have a Christmas secret. I love the movie Elf. <laughs> yeah, that one with Will Farrell and Ed Asner and Peter Dinklage and Bob Newhart and James Kahn. I mean, from the Godfather to the father of Elf, really? And were that not enough, Mary Sternbergen and Steenbergen, excuse me, and yes, Zoe de Chanel. 
It's all amazing and wonderful, and it is all energizing to me. It's, it's like a kid in a Christmas pageant like we had earlier this afternoon, five-year-old Sharon in a church Christmas program came out on stage announcing that the baby was born. <laughs> then asking the crowd in a whisper, and do you know who that baby was? The baby was God. And she spun round and round and round and round and leapt into the air, jumped face first into the stage prop couch and covered her head with a pillow. <laughs> it was, wrote storyteller Shay Phillips, the only appropriate response to the good news of incarnation. So appropriate was the five-year-old, in fact, that it might make those of us without pillows covering our faces wonder if we ever even heard the story at all. So I ask, what in the name of all that is wonderful and mysterious and musical in the world is better than Elf? Okay, maybe there's disagreement in the house that that is my favorite Christian movie. What is yours on the count of three? One, two, three, shout them. Two, three. A little weak, but those were all good, I guess. But Elf. Elf has nonstop response to mystery that compels characters to move. A response that made Santa begin the day after Christmas to do it all again. Moved elves to believe it is their sacred call to do the work of being elves. It moved. Buddy, the accidental stowaway in Santa's bag for a return trip from an orphanage to Santa's workshop, now compelled to journey to find and meet his birth father, and then, and then to bring joy and love and more. No easy task. After all, he had to venture through the seven levels of candy cane forest and the sea of swirly, twirly gumdrops, and he had to endure a walk through the Lincoln Tunnel, and I'm from New York, and I know that was really hard. <laughs> Santa's sleigh, driven by human belief that is now in the 21st century, was sorely lacking. Until those touched in some way by Buddy's naive belief in something fundamentally good, something fundamentally untouched, something delightful, while the sleigh takes to the sky once again on a sudden surge of global belief because people began to buy in and the sleigh began to go up with a little help from the Kringle, Kringle 3000 sleigh jet. Buddy, Buddy, where do we journey? How do we allow ourselves to be energized, to be compelled to find something worthwhile in all the mire that is the world right now, in all the mess that drives us, that dries up our hope, that tarnishes our love, that turns our joy to cynicism and moves us to believe, to believe that peace 
is an impossibility. How do we move to sing the Lord's song, buddy, in a foreign land, to even hum, you better watch out, you better not cry. I guess that wasn't a hum. Or to sing hallelujah, hallelujah. Scripture has its version of elf. They were contract workers with thankless jobs, spending day after day on subsistence wages, watching somebody else's sheep. Sheep! There were shepherds whose primary task was to keep sheep from getting eaten by predators or stolen by thieves. To leave their jobs was to risk losing the sheep, losing their jobs, their reputations, their family, their, their everythings. And yet, something compelled them. They had seen angels, not terribly unlike all those who saw people in Elf singing with joy in Central Park, New York City, and said, something's got to be going on. That just might do it. But probably they look at each other and say, we're out of here. We're out of here. But the shepherds headed to Bethlehem right then and there, driven, compelled to see and know that there was something, something much bigger than themselves or smaller, as the case might have been. Something was worth not just their belief, but their risking it all. And they told Mary and Joseph what they had been told about the child and Mary was hushed, considering the holy risk she had carried and birthed and now must protect. She held all these things in her heart, tucked away in her memory. And then Matthew's telling they were compelled to risk it all to become refugees and journey to Egypt to protect the Prince of Peace. All of this is to remind us that this faith we share, this amalgam of hope and love and joy and peace remains packed away in boxes of tinsel and light to simply be brought out for a central month each year. It just gets packed away if we do not risk being moved forward if we do not free ourselves to be compelled by something beyond ourselves, something like, I don't know, a Holy Spirit, to be hopeful, to act in loving ways beyond our own self-interest, to let ourselves go and spin around once in a while, to dive face first into a couch and put a pillow over our faces and recall the childlike moments when God was so real, it made us giddy and we we willingly could be so again. And for Christ's sake, we could join hands, hearts, and voices, risking for the survival of the world to be peacemakers and justice doers in a world that seems to be desperately short of both. So, this year, may it be so. Well, all right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yeah. So, yeah, we had family at four o'clock. The family service and the kids mm -hmm. did a um, 
really fun production with with stars looking out and looking at the earth. It was it was fun and the uh, coming of the Christ through the eyes of the stars. Fun at four and at eight o'clock. We do the more traditional lessons and carols. Um, that a lot of congregations all throughout the world are doing on this day. Ours are a little bit different because we're not doing the actual most traditional service, um, but a little bit of a, of a Chapel Hill twist on it. Yeah. And uh, if you listen to the messages, you also learned Barry has a favorite Christmas movie, and it's Elf. True. So uh, talk about um, exploring Elf as a vehicle. For your Christmas homily, homilite. So, so it was true that um, I was I was home alone. Another Christmas movie. I was literally home alone, and um, I was just flipping through, watching sentimental Christmas things. And I like Elf, and uh, it was on live stream, so so I I uh, watched it, and um, it it struck me. That because we had divided up how we were going to do the mm-hmm. um, the four o'clock and the eight o'clock time, and my task was really about how do we move out of the Christmas event? What is what is leading us forward? What led us to Christmas is the Advent. What leads us leads us forward? Mm-hmm. And I was really struck by how many times that got hit in the movie, uh, thematically in the movie. Um, so I used it as a fun way to come in. Uh, I tend I tend to do cultural connections uh, because I, f- I find that you know I see lights go on in people's eyes when I do something that they're familiar with and and frankly most people are not familiar with Bi- with the Bible as something that is a cultural connection any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grabbed on to Elf because of because of that and and it, and it I don't know I thought it worked. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. Almost everyone's familiar with Elf. Very sweet movie. And it's um, exciting to hear more tangible connections to it. And I like stringing through those those things that we feel are Christmas-related, but also weirdly feel secular. You know, like that's, it's this weird time of year where there's all of these Christmas traditions. Many of them we have divorced entirely from the meaning of faith. Um, so I think any of those bits that kind of tie us back into, oh yeah, like it's okay. This here's this beautiful movie, and it's not explicitly Christian, and that does not mean it's not a way that we, you know, can celebrate this holiday season together. And yet it deals heavily with with belief, mm-hmm. um, and and faith, and ultimately, I think that's what we all struggle with, um, and and we come to say, well, what's the point? And I think. I think Elf did a fair job of saying that there, that when we gather and we've got a common um, purpose in being faithful, that things can happen. And, I, and while I wasn't suggest, suggesting that our belief ought to be about getting Santa to come and bring bring presents, I know him. It's not a huge. It's not a huge leap to suggest that um, we need the belief to keep ourselves moving toward um, to, to keep us empowered to make use of that belief to do the things that God would have us do in our lives and in the world 
Yeah, we, we circle around that message a lot. And it's a thing that folks will be familiar with us saying. What you believe in matters. Uh, it shapes what you do today and tomorrow. So um, where your belief lies therein, um, some of who you are, you know, and, and wherever you're going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so hard-hitting question. Do you really feel that the best way to bring about Christmas cheer is by singing loud for all to hear? <laughs> I, you know, I don't think it hurts. Um, <laughs> I, it's it's striking that with the montage montage of all the stuff that we hear on the radio and and uh, streaming in the cars and satellite and, and every place, everywhere you go in the stores, there's all this secular Christmas, Christmas music, but it, tied into it, there's also sacred music. Oh, yeah. And often the lines between the two are blurred, as, they, and, as I think they should be. Yes. Um, and so, so I, yes, I think, I think singing loud for all to hear uh, does not hurt one bit. And we're singing, when we're singing things that are, um, that are countercultural, that are, that are causing us to pause and consider um, what peace might look like for Christmas this year or next year, um, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. How about Great. you? Yeah, I'm here for it. I like spreading cheer by singing loudly for all to hear. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> How about your sermon? Were you what were you hoping for? Sermonette, your yeah. homilite. My hope was that people could take the pressure off this day or night. You know, like especially I think about the four o'clock where people have to get, you know, their children here dressed in a particular way and they want them acting a particular way. <laughs> The same will likely hold true for the 8 o'clock, but maybe for different reasons. Um, sometimes it's just, it feels like it's a lot and there's so much pressure to make, you know, to make Christmas magical. And um, I think we miss the message when that's the focus. And so just giving people permission, you know, mine, I go, I preached first to kind of do that set up that bridge from, hey, Um, Advent we've been waiting we've been waiting like guess what like you're here what have you been waiting for have you even had time to think about what you've been waiting for and if you haven't um, thank god it's not too late (laughs) we can do this all the time Um, and just just to let folks take a deep breath and you know hopefully leave with something a little bit more to chew on than just what's next on my to-do list what's the next thing I have to tick off well, and that's the thing about the cycle of the church year is that we know it's coming around again and that may help us to become, um, I don't know, cynical about it. It may help us to, to think, well, why should I bother because it's just going to come around next year. It's also a way for us to be reminded that this is not about our fixing something this year. Mm-hmm. It's about us moving in a way that um, that we are healthier humans, that we're living in healthier community, uh, and that we're making some commitments to to build a healthier healthier kingdom of God right here in a where where things are pretty unhealthy at the moment. Yeah, and that's why I think the work of Advent of the 
practicing hope, love, peace, and joy, we celebrate this evening. We celebrate the culmination of those into whom we understand, you know, the Messiah to be. And the same holds true tomorrow and the day after and the day after. So we need, I think, those breaks in the calendar to help us focus. Clearly, um, you know, we need to do this like once a year because we, (laughs) some folks might feel cynical, but like we need the reminder. Um, And... Um, yeah, I really wanted to just set folks up to realize like, okay, this is not going to be this, this tag team message will be one, hopefully, um, you know, of liberation, uh, as opposed to, you know, guilt or shame or whatever else that folks bring in with them. Um, because on Christmas we, we see folks we see every Sunday. We also see folks we see once a year. We see folks we've never even seen before. And it's an immense, um, privilege to lead worship uh, with folks who are, you know, some of whom are taking their step into a church and it feels tenuous at best. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting to me. This is not a church that um, and we are not pastors that are interested in shaming. Um, we're not, a, we're not interested in Mm-hmm. in judging where people are on the spiritual journey or even if there's no place on the sp- spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet people carry that baggage. And, yeah. um, and and you could see this kind of relief on folks when, when we do lighter things, <laughs> and but at the same time have some kind of a curve that says, there may be something here that is is a gift to you, even if you are not buying the whole kit and caboodle at the moment. You don't have to. Yeah, I mean, even if we if we never see you again, yeah. right? Our deep hope is that God's grace will uh, permeate through us, sometimes in spite of us. You know, all of us leading, whether we're singing, whether we're reading scripture, or giving messages. You know, that's that's really the hope, and I think therein lies part of the Christmas miracle too. That. You know, God uses humans like us, you know, to do just that. Yeah. 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 Yup. <laughs> that was a cute line from the four o'clock, if you missed it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, pastor, I don't know that I have much more. I mean, Jesus is born. The only other thing <laughs> I will... <laughs> Jesus is born and we're exhausted. <laughs> Um, I will add is that, you know, we're, we're kind of church dorks. It's our job, right? So um, we're going to enter Christmas tide, the 12 days of Christmas, and then we get epiphany. And so the trees are going to be up here a little bit longer. They'll be up here for the next few weeks. And we still kind of leave some of this up through, um, through epiphany just to kind of give ourselves some space and uh, a little bit of a breather as we actually celebrate Christmas because it's not just one night. We get to celebrate it for 12 if you want, but you don't have to. No. And we will be doing some stuff that people may be interested in uh, where pastors are going to be standing up in front of everybody and God and simply uh, being unplugged and unrehearsed, Mm -hmm. answering folks' questions about the faith, about the church. Yeah, so much so that today my husband texted me during the service and said, should you also put uncensored? <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. I like it. I like yeah. it. We'll see if we have to add a, an explicit I, I think, rating to I the pod. I think it probably goes without saying for people that have been here before, but <laughs> so, yeah, un- <that'll>... unapologetic. 
Um, uh, just as a reminder, on New Year's Eve, we'll just have one service at 10 o'clock. And then we're back to the 9 and 11 on the 7th. And for both those Sundays, we'll be doing Pastors Unplugged and Unrehearsed. If you want more information, check it out on the website. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs>